Welcome to this edition of Morgan Asked For Podcast, 24th of January, about 9 o'clock here. Um, Cyclones are just about ready to go to halftime here. Um, up 41-29 on the Kansas State Wildcats. The Hawkeyes lost earlier to Maryland. Where they had the lead, I did not watch it. Um, but uh, they, uh, you know, they did did lose. I think that was at home. And, you know, and now with Beth Getz getting the, the permanent AD job, will the next person she fire be Fran McCaffrey? I don't think so. I think he may leave on his own, kind of like uh, a Steve Alford, you know, situation or a Greg McDermott, you know, at Iowa State where they both weren't doing well and were probably going to get fired in the next year or so, but both left for other jobs uh, before they actually were fired. Yeah, Beth gets getting hired is a, a story in its own. I'm glad that they did hire her. As far as Fran goes, I haven't paid much attention to the Iowa men. We've talked about it a few times in earlier episodes. So with, with Fran being there, it feels like it's run its course. But again, that I'd save that for you and Zach and Tassel or whoever that pays a little bit more attention to the men's side of Iowa basketball. Yeah, I mean, you know, they just they have their ceiling, you know, so far with him. He's he's never been to um, a sweet 16 as either, you know, with Iowa or any other team that he's coached. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, some people don't like his demeanor on the court, which whatever. And then, you know, the other, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, maybe the crowd, you know, they just don't have very big crowds there and, and that's coming into play as well. So, you know, things may not be going uh, his way, but uh, they have went to, four straight NCAA tournaments and we'll see how this one goes. It doesn't look like this year, but you know, you, you have an opportunity, you know, if you win a lot of games coming forward today did not help, they would still have a chance uh, to go. Obviously in the big 10, if you win games, it's very easy to get to the NCAA tournament, but you do have to have a certain amount of wins. For me, the, the men's basketball team to just get second place now to women's. Oh, or, uh, yeah. I was a women's basketball school, but we'll we'll get into that later, probably. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, the big you know stories for us is, is the NFL, and you know the playoff games. Probably, you know, three of the four were good. You know, the the Texans and and Ravens game was good for the first half, but then the Ravens went in the second half and just showed why they're. Probably the best team left, I would say, with their, you know, beating of San Francisco on Christmas and then, you know, still playing. The number one seeds are playing home field, so it has went chalk that way. And then we have the two, three seeds, you know, so no big surprises. Probably the biggest surprise was the 49er Packer game where Packers, I'm not going to say dominated the game, but definitely were in charge of the game for most of it. Brock Purdy did not play well. and But when the drive was needed, he went down and led them to the game-winning score and did not make the critical mistakes as Jordan Love did. That's really what it came down, down to. He, he made a couple plays and didn't make the mistakes. As far as Brock Purdy goes, yeah, he didn't play very well the first three quarters. But again, on that last drive that he had, he made plenty of throws, uh, clutch throws. 
A lot of people wondered if he could do that, and he proved that he could in that game. Jordan Love and the Packers, you're right. They, they probably feel like they should have won the game. I'm sure Packer fans feel that way. Love made a critical mistake there with about right around a minute left or 55 seconds. I forget exactly. Yeah, he didn't have Packers to make had. that throw at that time. No, he they had two timeouts left. That you know, if it's fourth down or last play of the game, I understand making that throw. You got to do what you got to do. But when you got two timeouts and right around a minute, that's a that's the type of throw you can't make. You got to take your check down, throw it out of bounds. You know, try to run the ball and live for another day because there was still plenty of time left in that. But the Packers, really, the surprise team of the playoffs so far, I think, in either conference. From my expectations, I didn't see the youngest team since the merger going in there winning at Dallas and coming close to winning at the 49ers. So I, I think there's a lot of good, uh, you know, Packer fans should be hopeful going into next year for sure. Absolutely. You know, they, they're young. Like every single, single offensive player is in their first or second year receivers. I should say, mm-hmm. you know, Aaron Jones is a, is a quality back. And, and as much as you hate to say it, and they even kind of said it on the broadcast where, he was hurt for four or five games at the beginning of the year. And they think it was actually beneficial. You know, that game load, game management that the NBA does, it's a real thing. I mean, I know why they do it. I don't like it, but I do understand why they do it because Aaron Jones looked unbelievable the last four or five, six weeks. And it's because he didn't play for five or six weeks. So instead of playing their 18th, 19th, 20th football game, he's playing his 15th. And they're all bumped and bruised, and they're all sore. And he just has that many less carries on his body for this year. Yeah, testing in disguise, just like you said, sort of similar. We'll get into the Lions here in a bit. But, you know, they weren't using Jam- Jameer Gibbs as much in the beginning of the season. And they have a two-headed monster at running back with David Montgomery there from Iowa State. And now, you know, Gibbs is really hitting his stride and Montgomery's still doing his thing. So that's, you know, sometimes an early injury or not getting as many touches for a player can be beneficial. Even in the NFL, which there's less games, you compare it to the NBA. Sort of the same thing, though. It uh, you, you don't want any of your top players to get injured, but it, you know, if they can get rest and not have those carries, it can turn out to be a good thing. Yeah, just. Yeah, injuries are not. If, if they're not serious and you know they're going to be back and there's not big carryover with it, they're not all bad. No matter what season you are, NBA, baseball, football, as long as you're healthy when the time matters, that's what matters. You know, you don't want to get hurt in December. I mean, that's bad. But getting hurt in September or early October and sitting out till mid-November isn't all bad. It's all, it's all timing. We, we've talked about the past couple of years where I, I've said any team that ever makes a Super Bowl has to avoid the injury bug, mm-hmm. typically, and has to get some bounces going to go their way. Well, with the injury bug, I mean, if you have a couple of players get injured early in the season, but it's not season ending, per se, right. like an ACL or something, you can get them back the second half of the season going into the playoffs. You know, Mark Andrews might be coming back for uh, the Ravens, it sounds like, this coming week. Yep. So. It's a lot of his timing. I mean, you still have to be very good to be at the final four here, but timing does help every year for these teams. Well, you think about Brock Purdy. You know, if he would have not got hurt in the last play, let's say he gets hurt the first playoff game, 
misses a couple and then didn't have that whatever surgery and he didn't play the first half of the season and they're five or six and oh with some other quarterback do they not go back to him but he got hurt in the last game so he didn't miss any games and he was ready to go when the season started so timing of that injury was perfect for him i guess you know Time, timing is a big deal. Fans don't want to hear it because I think fans feel like you're taken away from their team's accomplishments. But for any team that's ever made the Super Bowl or won it, timing and a little bit of luck is involved in all these championships. Absolutely. You know, so we got to talk 49ers and Packers there. Lions and Bucks. Again, just a great atmosphere. Detroit is all in. If Brock Purdy was not the quarterback of the 49ers, I would be all in on the Lions. I mean, it's as simple as that. I am cheering for an Iowa State quarterback. And he happens to be for the 49ers, so I guess I'm cheering for the 49ers. But it is nice to see that, you know, okay, say Brock doesn't go, David, David Montgomery gets to go. And, and that's what is different this year and the last couple of years of Iowa State football in the NFL compared to any other year. We actually have players. You know, Anthony Johnson was with the Packers. Um, you know, Charlie Kolar is with the Ravens. So, I mean, there there were players that actually that you see on the screen and, and they make plays. Montgomery and Purdy are as vital to each other team as anybody. And, you know, they, they get the ball in their hands. That's a little bit of the difference. The Iowa players are great players. But Laporta and Kittle are, you know, big-time players and get the ball in their hands. But the Iowa linebackers are there, and then they're linemen. You know, like Tristan Wirfs, we're playing for the Bucks, And, you know, um, but, this, yeah, the center, Litterbaum, for, you know, they're talked about, but linemen are always just kind of in the shadows a little bit. But Iowa, over the course of the last 20 years, has had many, many linemen in the – and then – Iowa also has a few defensive players uh, playing as well. Iowa State had A.J. Klein. You could tell he was hurt and it, that not playing all year caught up with him that against the Bills there. Yeah, it makes it fun when you got Iowa, Iowa State players playing in these big playoff games. You know, you not being as big of an NFL fan makes it a little bit more enjoyable for you oh, as yeah. you mentioned Purdy and, and David Montgomery there. And and for the Lions, yeah, I mean, it's that, that, was, a, that was a tough win. Um, a little bit, it was a little bit closer than it probably should have been. But the Bucks were a scrappy team, you know. Baker threw for basically 350 yards. Uh, Detroit only did allow 89 rushing yards. Really, the story of that game is not only did Detroit overcome their demons, so to speak, two weeks in a row in the playoffs, but the uh, the timeout there at the end. I'm sure you saw that Tampa yeah. had a timeout, and both teams acted like they didn't know that they had a timeout. Which makes me wonder, you know, the refs have had a bad year this year overall, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And I just wonder, and of course, Tampa Bay's coach said afterwards, well, they were just going to kick the field goal. But I mean, that that's a long field goal to kick anyway, if Detroit had to. Right. That, that's no gimme, because he knows if he misses, the Bucs can get, obviously can get the ball back with good field position and can go tie the game if they get the two-point conversion after they score. So that was, when I was watching that in real time, I saw the timeout down at the bottom of the screen, and then I saw Goff kind of hurrying a little bit to kneel the ball, and I had to double and triple guess myself. I'm like, what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. I was a little confused, but then we also have to remember 
what we see on the screen on TV is not exactly what they're seeing in the stadium, obviously. Right. Did they, did you think the officials said they didn't have any timeouts or something to them or what? Well, they sounds like they they were given a timeout back, but I don't know if it was communicated to both teams because both teams acted like the Buccaneers did not have any timeouts left. Right. If you're the Bucs, you got to use that timeout, don't you? I mean, right. It's, it's the playoffs. And then again, with Detroit, they were, they were hurrying to the line kind of not hurrying, but they were rushing the kneel downs. And again, I was watching that in real time. Like, I was, I was just confused. So that was a little bit of drama there, but, but good for the lions to kind of overcome their demons in back-to-back weeks. Absolutely. And, you know, as a, you know, kid from the nineties and seeing Eminem there and doing the intros and everything, it's just, Eminem is just the guy for, for people my age. If you listen to any kind of that music in high school and then on, he's, you know, he's older now, but then, you know, you think about the Super Bowl a couple of years ago where he was the the main guy that – but he let everybody else do it, and he was only on there for the last minute or so of it. And so it's just – he's he's an icon. He's an idol to a lot of play, people, and he is from Detroit, obviously, done all this stuff, loves Detroit, been a Lions fan his whole life, and it's great to see those uh, – them get rewarded. And it also has been good. I think I can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or I was talking to somebody else. But I think is Tariko from Detroit or does he just live in Detroit? They haven't talked about it a lot, but you just they, they keep hinting at it a little bit. And he's been able to call the last two games, especially this last one where kickoff and how loud it was. And he just kind of said, let's just we're going to shut up. We're just going to sit back and, and listen to this. Do you know if he's is he from Detroit or does he live there? Or maybe I mean I guess it could be both. I'm sure if he's from there. Uh, I thought I did see something the other day where he's from. Um, I'm looking right now. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I guess, but yeah, I do do remember hearing that. But it, regardless, though, it is a special time for Detroit, right? You know, the, people thought they were going to lay an egg versus the Rams, which that was a great game, and in this game too. You know, they were they were moving the ball really well through the air. I thought they didn't run as much as I thought they should have, but they were trying to take advantage of the passing game, which there were some mismatches there. But all in all, like you mentioned, Eminem, the scenes. And I almost think it's, you know, it's going to sound weird to say, but I think it's good that they're going on the road this week. I think it takes a little bit of uh, pressure off their shoulders. They can play a little bit more freely. Now, whether that means they win or not at San Francisco, we'll get into that later. But it was pretty impressive for them to win two playoff games at home when it's been so long for him. Yeah, so just, you know, recapping here, we both had the Lions and we both had the 49ers. So both games we've talked about so far, we got right. Ravens and Texans, there's really nothing to talk about that one. It was just kind of very good first half, close. Ravens just took over in the third and fourth quarter, really the third quarter, and then just kind of coasted to victory there. Ravens are the better team. Texas made a heck of a run, rookie coach, rookie quarterback, played, really didn't play bad against the Ravens. They just weren't as good. I, I truly believe that. It's just sometimes you're just, you ran out of steam, whatever you want to call it, but the Ravens are really good. And so so we both got that right as well, 3-0. Uh, and oh. And then, you know, the game of the weekend, I mean, it, it was, it was because of who it was. Did you see the number on this? 
I think I might have. What what was it? What do you have written down? Fifty million people. Fifty million. That's I thought. I thought saw something like forty nine point something. But yeah, right at fifty. And the only the only game that will will beat that all year is the Super Bowl. And then in you know perspective, now national championship and everything will have a few more than that. But a regular college football game on a Saturday gets like four or five million people. That's ten times as many people watch. That's why the NFL is king. It is. It will be king, and I don't know how you ever get away from it. it's king. And they are just they are just printing money, and whatever networks are gonna have to pay, they will pay whatever to get those rights because they can sell those commercials for just ungodly amounts of money. It's tough for the NFL to uh, for anything to beat the NFL, obviously. But I was just thinking, you know, the Chiefs and Bills. I know the Bills are zero three in this era right now against Mahomes and the Chiefs. But if you could pick playoffs. one playoff, if you could pick one play in the playoffs, but if you could pick one playoff game every year to watch Chiefs and Bills is the most dramatic. I mean, you got these backwards passes that are laterals and you got fumbles and interceptions and Josh Allen's running over people and Mahomes is running around. Kelsey scoring touchdown, his brother's jumping out of a booth, drinking beer. I mean, <laughs> Bills and Chiefs is the most fun to watch, I think. Oh, far. absolutely. And it's you know, and I know, like you said, the the Chiefs are three and zero against them in the playoffs. They have their number, and they're always three against them in the regular season. That's what's amazing. Yeah. But the dramatics, though, of the playoffs. I mean, the first drive that the Bills had, the very first play, Diggs fumbles. The tight end has to knock it out of bounds. Right. It, it was a penalty, but it was a smart penalty because they didn't turn it right. over. And then a couple plays later, Josh takes off running, throws it backwards. It probably was a forward pass, but the Chiefs didn't challenge it. And, I mean, it's just the very first play of the game, you got drama. Like, these yeah. Chiefs and Bills is the most fun to watch, I think. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the Bills' time might be up, too, because I'm sure you saw this, but the cap hit over the last five years, it just keeps getting, it was like four and a half, six and a half, eight and a half, ten and a half. Like, this year was 15 or 20, but then next year is 47 and a half million dollar cap hit for Josh Allen. And, you know, that's what the NFL has come to. You're paying Mahomes, you're paying Allen $50 million, and then you hope you have a good enough team around them, or you get the rookie scale. Now, it's not going to be as low as Purdy, where it's getting 900000 but someone like a Caleb Williams, Drake May, they're going to pay 4 or $5 million a year for five years, and then you get a great team around them. If Brock Purdy was pay getting paid $50 million a year, he could not have Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle, McCaffrey. It just wouldn't have – and Trent Williams. And that's just on offense. You know, you just couldn't have that those people. No, you, you can't. And that's and that's the thing with Buffalo moving forward. They're going to have to make some decisions. I think they're probably going to trade Diggs or try to mm -hmm. trade him. Von Miller, I don't – I don't know that contract off the top of my head, but I'm I'm sure they're going to try to move on from him. They have a lot of defensive players that are free agents coming up on this free agency period. They're going to have to hit on draft picks because they're going to get they're going to have to get guys on cheap contracts like you just mentioned. Whether it's offense, defense, or both, they're going to have to hit on draft picks because Allen's making so much money, and that's the that's the balance of the NFL. That's what makes the NFL so great is every year almost you know, 80, 90% of the league has optimism that they're going to be good. And we've seen every year new teams make the playoffs. Teams that made the playoffs the year before don't make it. 
it's you know that's that's what makes the NFL so good is the parody of it. Yes, but think about who is always there. The Bills are there. I mean, over overall, the yeah. Bills have been there. The Chiefs are there. The 49ers have been there. You know, it, it's parody, but it's not. It's, it's great coach, first. great coach or great quarterback, and then a little bit of parody is probably the right yeah. mix. The the Cowboys are really good every year. They just lose in the playoffs. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, you know, just one question here, and I and uh, Chris, I'm gonna uh, credit Chris Williams, Iowa State Cyclone fanatic, and he does an Iowa Everywhere podcast. He's a Vikings fan, and then one of his friends he had on podcast is a Bills fan. Who is the mo- more tortured franchise, the Bills or the Vikings? Both of them are owned for in the Super Bowl in the history. Now, obviously, the Vikings haven't been to the Super Bowl since the 70s. The Bills recently, more recently, not recently, um, four early in the 90s. So it's been 30 years since they've been there. Both of them have been good recently, but never able to get over the hump. Who is a more tortured franchise, the Bills or the Vikings? Boy, I mean, recency bias says the Bills, but if you go back to the Randy Moss, Culpepper years, Chris yep, Carter, nine. yeah, and then the Brett Favre year that they had in 09, yep. where they should have went probably. But recently, obviously, the Bills, when you combine their 90s teams yep. along with this little era of Josh Allen, that, that's a good question because both are well run. These are not bad. These are not poorly run franchises, as I'm trying to say. The difference yeah. is the Bills have found their franchise quarterback and they can't get over the hump. The Vikings are still searching for their franchise quarterback, but most years are pretty good. That that that's a good one. I'd have to think long and hard about what that, one is that, more. Uh, there's the argument right there. The Vikings are always mediocre, like seven and nine. Let's go back to sixteen game schedule. Seven to not seven and nine to nine and seven. You have your outliers a few years. You know, a couple of years ago. You know, they made the NFC Championship game with the chance to go back home and play in the Super Bowl and got killed by the Giants, you know. Um, Or it was, no, the Eagles beat them. The year the Eagles, I think the Eagles won it. Um, And the Bills went to a stretch after they went to those Super Bowls. They went 17 years in a row without the playoffs. So, I mean, the Bills are better right now the last four years but the bills were awful for a little bit. Vikings are just always good enough and they never get a top five draft pick. You know, the bills have had that. They, you know, I just, it's a tough one. And then, you know, and then you go more franchise, more, you know, the Browns and the lions have never even been to the Super Bowl. I mean, you go, you go, the Browns lost their franchise, go to Baltimore and they win a championship like two years later. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, right now, obviously, I'd rather be the Bills because they have a franchise quarterback. Right. I mean, that's that's an easy one, right? Uh, but yeah, that that's definitely a good question because because both are well run, the Bills and the Vikings, but both have had their fair share of a uh, heartbreak to say right. the least. It'd be nice to see one of them, you know, eventually get that Super Bowl monkey off their back here soon. And then, then a little bit is you throwing the Bears into that. Now the Bears have been to a Super Bowl in the last fifteen years. But it was kind of a – they weren't really that good. They made it. They went through two quarterbacks that year. Obviously, 85 were one of the best teams ever, but that was a one-year run. 
And, you know, people my age, I was five years old, six years old, you know. But so overall, in the course of the last 40 years, they've not been good. I mean, they've been way worse than I mean. So that's another franchise that just isn't good. Yeah. And the, and the speaking of the Bears, I mean, if they if they really do decide to keep Justin Fields and pass on Caleb, then I we'll, we'll save that for down the line when there's nothing else to talk about. I just I had to get that out because yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Surely, and, surely their new co- new coordinator, Waldron knows what he wants to do right now it's not his final say i understand that but surely before they hired him or there was some understanding hey do you want fields or do you want to go get another guy that has to be asked or he has to say it or you know hey am i gonna have fields or am i gonna have a new guy i mean that had to be talked about discussed something didn't it it it, it have to be pretty black and white in right. my opinion, not in a lot of things in life aren't black and white, but th- this one would be like if you're going to take the offensive coordinator job of the Bills or excuse me, the Bears, you want to know, do I have the freedom to to get Caleb Williams or stick with Fields if I want him? Because I, I don't think they should stick with Fields. But that's like I said, that's something that we can get into after the Super Bowl, because then we'll have free agency and draft coming up. But yeah, that's, your, that's I, your favorite time of year, favorite time of year. But I, I hope for the Bears sake that uh, they're not going to stick with Fields. That's anyway, that's that's a discussion for another time. All right. So this this weekend, Chiefs at Bills, and then Lions at 49ers. Let's go with the Chiefs and Bills first because it's it's the Chiefs first and Ravens. Game. Chiefs and Ravens, sorry. Chiefs yeah. and Ravens on Sunday afternoon. Who do you got and why? Well, first of all, let me ask you a question. Do you remember my Super Bowl pick before the season started? I do not remember it, but I can, I have my notebook right here. I can go back and look. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you, I had Chiefs versus Lions in the Super Bowl. How about that? So you're you're still alive. So I guess I you're gonna, so I guess you're going to pick them, aren't you? Well, what kind of guy would I be to have two of my <laughs> teams left in the Final Four and not pick them? So I'm kind of giving that away. I I didn't know if you remember that. I got to give I myself. Remember. A, I got to give myself a little bit of credit, not for the Chiefs by any means, but I have to be one of the few people that had the Lions in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl that they still have to win the the game to to make that happen. But, no, for uh, getting a little bit serious here, Chiefs and Ravens, the Ravens are the obvious favorite. They should be the better – they are the better team right now. They probably should win. But I – a big game like this, I'm just going to put my – my faith in Mahomes and Reed and Travis Kelsey. And I'm I'm predicting Chiefs 23, Ravens 20. Okay. So let's I'm just gonna write that down. 23 to 20. I am gonna go with the Chiefs as well. And it is simply, I mean, I think coaching Reed's probably a little better, but Harbaugh's no slouch. So I'm gonna call that kind of a wash. Lamar and Mahomes are two of the top three quarterbacks in the league. I have no doubt about that. That's that's not an argument. And it's simply Mahomes has been there before and Lamar is not. That's really all my decision is. And that probably should be canceled out by home field advantage. So, I mean, again, I this, this game's close. I'm going to go 24, 27-24 Chiefs. So, very simple, similar to you. Uh but just it is simply Mahomes and the the Chiefs have been there before. 
Have the Ravens with Lamar even been to the championship game before? I don't think so. This this goes back to the Super Bowl last year. You and I talked about it. I told you I thought the Eagles were the better team, the better roster overall. They had a quarterback playing at a high level, but the X factor was Reed and Mahomes. And that and that's what's coming into to my play here. I know the Ravens are the better team. I know they're probably the smart pick, but I haven't seen Lamar, like you said, play in a game like this. So I'm just going to trust Mahomes' experience in these moments yep. to come out on top somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar makes a couple mistakes. I won't. I wouldn't be surprised if he runs all over the Chiefs though either. But right. I'm just going to put my faith in Mahomes until I see otherwise. I learned my lesson last week by picking the Bills. Yeah, I just it it is it is simple. I'm with you. It is just Mahomes and the Chiefs have been there. Simple as that. Yep, I agree with you. All right, uh, 49ers, Lions. I'm simply going with the 49ers because I want Brock Purdy to win. It, it's that simple. I do think they're the better team. That doesn't mean they're going to win the football game. If Purdy plays like he did the other night, it could be, and a couple of those are actually caught for interceptions, it could be a long night. I don't know if he was nervous or that weather really got to him. Just in his head just just as much physical it's not easy to throw a wet ball it is it is hard he's not the biggest guy in the world he doesn't have huge hands and and then once it got in his head and hopefully we'll get a great Brock Purdy throwing it to Kittle throwing it to Ayuk getting it to McCaffrey hopefully Debo can play you know if he doesn't play and they could get by this and that gives him two more weeks of rest, that could be bad news for the Super Bowl for whoever they play, Chiefs or the Ravens, because then Debo would be, I would assume, pretty much, I mean, not 100%, but 90% uh, with a, about a month off uh, before he play again. For sure. And this this game, I think a couple things real quick. I'm just going to ask you a question. Obviously, the 49ers are one of the best teams in the league. We're talking about the Final Four here. But are the 49ers maybe just a touch not quite as good as you and I originally thought after watching the Ravens and the Packers game? I'm, and this is getting nitpicky. They're obviously one of the best teams in the league. Um, Maybe. Um, But it is nitpicky because you think about the Ravens are probably the best team in the league. I mean, just so they got beat um, by one of the best teams in the league. And then the Packers are one of the best teams at that time. You know, they were playing as good as anybody. So was it the other team being pretty, pretty good? Or were the 49ers taking a step back? That's the question. I'm going to say, as as per usual, a little bit of both. They're playing really, really good teams. And they weren't playing up to maybe their standard or, or maybe not quite as good as they were playing earlier in the year. That's probably where I'd land, too. And then the same thing with the Lions. Everybody's calling it a great story, this and that. Again, I predicted them to be here before the season started. So I'm not surprised. I think the Lions are a little better than people are giving them credit for. It's more than just a feel-good story. I think really what this comes down to, if the Lions can pass protect and keep the pocket clean for Jared Goff overall, I think it's going to really be a ball game. If he's getting pressured and hurried and – he'll make some mistakes and the 49ers probably win flip side. How does Brock Purdy play in this moment? Cause remember last year, he only played what a series or two. Yeah. He got got right hurt. away. Yeah. 
So it, it really comes out in these big games. It comes out of the quarterbacks. Yeah. We, we can talk about all this other stuff, the run game and defense and, and those do matter, but it, it really matters what quarterbacks can really elevate the game. But I I've got uh lions, 27, 49ers, 23. I can't, I can't back off my uh, preseason Super Bowl pick of chiefs and lions. I got to stick I'm gonna with go, them. I'm going to go 30, 23, 49ers. And you are 100% right on the protect. I thought the Packers did an absolutely perfect job against that 49er defense front against their front. I mean, Bosa wasn't a huge factor. He was. I'm not going to say it wasn't a factor, but it wasn't a huge factor. Armstrad was back for his first game in six weeks. So I'm assuming that he would be a little better this week than last week. Just you cannot simulate playing football. I don't care how much you run. I don't care how much you lift. And obviously he was hurt, so he wasn't doing as much as he he wanted to. But, yeah, I just think – I think the 49ers will get more pressure on Goff than they did on Jordan Love. They, they might. I mean, they should probably be more motivated. They're, someone was talking about their, their defense hasn't quite played as good here lately. Remember, they lost D'Amico Ryan to the Texans. Right. You know, that was our defense coordinator. So it it's going to be – I mean, really, it's, it comes down to the quarterbacks, right? What quarterback plays better? If if Goff's given a clean pocket, he's going to complete a lot of passes, I think. Uh, Purdy, if he can handle the situation, the Lions secondary is the weakness, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we know that. So it's really going to come down to what quarterback makes the least mistakes, which is typically the, the case in most of these championship games. You can have yeah. a you can have a great roster and all this and that. The better quarterbacks typically win. Yep, absolutely. All right, we're gonna we're gonna kind of end there again. Thank you to those of you that have listened to us on Shetler Media. You know, kind of we're doing the first half of our episodes here. They do continue at Morgan Yes for Podcast at your favorite podcast player. So make sure you know you listen to you know the Apple, Google, you know Spotify, iHeart. Amazon, you know, whichever one you like to listen to, turn us on, you know, rate, like, subscribe, and, and we really appreciate that. And again, we want to thank Steve for allowing us to be part of his uh, media and his uh, lineup there at Shetler Media Group. So again, thank you to, to everybody listening there and welcome to Morgan the Asphore Podcast. He's Trevor Voss. I'm Ryan Morgan. We'll be back with more after this uh, short break here. All right, welcome to the second half of Morgan the Asked For podcast. About 9.48 now. Iowa State's in a dogfight now, 51-50. They're ahead with 11.40 left. Uh, Kansas State's made a heck of a second half here, so I'll keep you updated there. But now our topic is Jim Harbaugh did take the Chargers job today. And as we were kind of talking off air, this is the first domino to fall, kind of see where he was going to go. Now you think that some of these dominoes are going to start falling. And then also, you know, I think some of these teams are maybe waiting a little bit for Ben Johnson too, the the coordinator for the Lions. He's he's going to be up for a few of these jobs. And sometimes we talk about timing. If they would win this week, I don't know if they let them interview in the in between uh, now in the Super Bowl. That's the thing that the NFL has that college football doesn't have right now. There's rules and there's timing 
and a calendar that says when and when you cannot do things. And that's what's great about the NFL and college has to get something to this effect for coaching changes, player free agency, player transfer as in college. The NFL has all these rules in place. I don't know them all. I don't know the timing of them all. Uh, but sometimes these teams that do go to the Super Bowl, their coaches do get a little bit harder time getting these other jobs because they are still playing. And I know they can't, they can kind of agree to take them, but they can't actually officially announce it till their season's over. Yeah. So the rules in place, timelines we've talked about before, which college needs uh, badly right now. And hopefully they get that figured out. But as far as Har Harbaugh goes, he's the first domino to fall. A lot of teams were probably trying to get him. I know he interviewed with Atlanta. I don't know if he interviewed with any other teams, but this, this seemed like a no brainer. It was time to leave college with the changing landscape of college. Uh, the NCAA silliness that you and I have talked about, he's going to lose 20 players to the draft uh, in graduation, whatever it's going to be 20 plus probably actually. Uh, this was just the perfect time. He's going somewhere with a quarterback. There's some people saying he's going to a tough conference because of Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, he is, but there's good quarterbacks all over the league. You know, he's not scared to go there. These coaches aren't. So, I mean, this this seems like the perfect fit. And the, the Chargers finally seem like they made a grown-up decision, ponied up the money, whatever it's going to be. They got the right guy. This is about as sure a lock as you can get in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's he's proven to win everywhere he's went. San Diego and Drake's conference, Stanford, he won. They've fallen on hard times. I mean, David Shaw kept them up there for a while, but then he fell off. And then, you know, he went to one Super Bowl and two or three championship games. Mm -hmm. That wasn't his only good year with the 49ers uh, when they when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to his brother. So he could win wherever it is. He's, he's kind of a winner. He's a, he, I think he's a different cat, but he does win and the players play hard for him, I think. And we'll see if he can get Herbert and the company going. That's, a, that's another franchise that has not lived up to potential in their last 30 years for sure. No, they've underachieved our entire lifetime. They always yeah. have a lot of talent. We think they do anyway. Yeah. He'll, he'll get the best out of them. Now, I'm not predicting AFC Championship or Super Bowl first year. I want to see what they do. They've got some decisions to make. They're, uh, they have some cap stuff to figure out. But they had the fifth overall pick in the draft. My opinion is if there's a lineman that Harbaugh likes there at number five, probably take him. Otherwise, trade down a little bit. There's going to be plenty of teams looking to move up for quarterbacks and O-linemen. They, they can move down two spots, five spots, ten spots, and pick up extra draft picks get cheaper because Herbert's going to start to get paid. This is just, it's a great fit. And that, that uh, AFC West is pretty interesting. Yeah. You obviously have Reed Mahomes. Now you have Harbaugh and Herbert. You have Sean Payton and whoever, we don't know. Right. And then you, of course you got uh, Pierce and the Raiders, which you're probably looking at like a fourth place team, but that, yeah. that division is really interesting now. All of a I sudden. agree. And and I did see this today that he actually played for the Chargers his last two years in the league, 99-2000. He actually played for the Chargers. I don't remember that, but. I don't, I don't either. Know. So. No, it just, it seemed like time. I mean, he accomplished what he wanted to at Michigan, brought him the national title. It was going to be tough to do another one. Not that he couldn't, but he's six years old. 
if he's ever going to go get a Super Bowl ring and be one of the few coaches, head coaches to do college and NFL, he needs to go now. And he's going to a spot with a legit franchise quarterback. You and I believe that. I think he'll get the best out of Justin Herbert. Will it be enough to dethrone Reed and the Chiefs? Who knows? But, you know, Andy Reed's getting older, too. How many years does he have left? Because he's older than than uh, Harbaugh, obviously. Yeah, I, I could see Reed. I don't think he will. I think he – I mean, I think you want to ride Mahomes as long as you can. Uh, but if he would win another one this year, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing I've ever seen to see him walk away. And there's a lot of rumors of that, but Nick Wright, the big Chiefs fan that's on first take, he says every interview that Andy Reid does, Reid's like, I'm not going anywhere. So from I mean, that from that assumption, it sounds like Reid's going to coach a few more years at least. Yeah, I mean, unless he just wants to be done, which is fine. He's earned that right. You're not going anywhere else. You don't have anything better than him. With Mahomes, I mean, it's just not. Now, I think Kelsey is a different story. I could see him and his brother both retiring and going and trying to do the media thing. Um, that would not shock me at all. And being a um, a Manning brothers, you know, kind of issue or you know, plan there with having a company and doing things as brothers. Um, I think that is just a matter of time. And actually, and Jason Kelsey has not officially retired yet, right? there's there's so many mixed opinions on it because right. he I has mean, but he hasn't officially done it i going back to travis real quick though I, I think if the chiefs were to happen to beat the ravens and then win the super bowl they'd have to win the next two games right i think i think travis would come back because they'd have a chance to have a three-peat right the following year you know a lot of things have to go into place but all of a sudden you talk about going to one of the greatest dynasties of all time so that's a whole nother reason for reed and kelsey to stay but you know they have to win sunday First right. of all, for that to happen, there's still a lot of things that have to go in their favor, but it, it's definitely interesting. Harbaugh going the Chargers, it felt like the move all along. It is. And then now it's where does Belichick, Rabel, yeah. Brian Johnson, some of these other guys go? Yeah. So, I mean, is it, is it Belichick to the Falcons? Is that most likely, I mean, that's left or is it the Commanders? Uh, Belichick's the most probably the biggest name that the Falcons have interviewed, but the Falcons, I believe have interviewed the most head coaching candidates of any franchise out there. They, they've interviewed a lot. I believe Rabel actually did interview with the Seahawks. I heard Okay, I have, I didn't actually double check to see if that was true or not. Uh, the commanders, Washington, whatever you want to call them. They have the number two overall pick. Brian Johnson seems to be the leading candidate for that. And then of course the worst job of all is the Panthers. And that'll Rabel, probably go to. I think Rabel Rabel did Yep, he did. He did. Or he's going to, one of the two. Yeah. But it, it does feel like the Panthers are probably going to get the least favorable candidate, right? Whoever does. And, and rightfully so. I mean, they have a quarterback who doesn't look like he can play, they have an owner who is. I, I think that's the issue. That's the, it is. The, that's more the issue than anything. They don't have a first round pick this year. So they're depleted. They have a crazy owner, it, it looks like, obviously. And they have a quarterback that doesn't look like he can play in the NFL. That's not a good mixture. No. Right? Crazy owner, a quarterback. Who they drafted play. number one, so you really can't move on from him right now. 
Yeah, a quarterback you can't play, a crazy owner, and no first-round draft pick. <laughs> I mean, you you better be pretty confident if you're taking that job. Or you're just glad to get a job. Well, and, and that too. There, there'll probably be some coordinator that gets it, and David Tepper is going to pay them a, a boatload of money, right? and they'll be happy to take it. It'll be life-changing money. Yep. But the, the chances of succeeding are probably pretty low. Right. And one, even if you do succeed, who knows if the owner will keep you? He's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing drinks on fans and firing coaches, and he's got a lot of money. I mean, he's not, yeah. you know, he's he's successful, but uh, as far as being an NFL owner, he's got seems like he has a lot to learn still. Yeah, fifty eight, fifty seven. So it's just a, it's going to be just a tight game here the rest of the way, I believe, here for the Cyclones. So Belichick. So who have the Commanders all interviewed? I think that that's an intriguing job with their draft pick. I don't have their list in front of me. The the charger, the excuse me, the Falcons list on the side I I have, I, I could pull it up, but Washington, I don't know. I it feels like Johnson or BNME are probably the favorites. I actually don't know if they've interviewed Rabel yet. I probably should know that. Yeah, I would hope that they would. But yeah, they have the number two overall pick. They have the most cap space. They have some decent receivers or running backs that that and new ownership. So that that's not the worst job ever. And they're going to they're they are going to build a new stadium here sooner yeah. than later. So that that might not be the worst job ever. If you think Drake May or Jaden Daniels could be a franchise quarterback, that would be a pretty intriguing one. Yeah, I'm I just think that with them having the quarterback there. And you almost think it was almost the enemies to lose. That's kind of why they brought him in was just to, you know, kind of test out the franchise to see if it'd work. And it, it didn't work right away. I remember reading those articles and stuff that, you know, he coaches differently than a lot of people. And at first the guys didn't like it, but then they, I think they did get a little bit better understanding at, yeah, he's going to get on your butt, but he has your back too. So, and you know, coaches like that we had in the day, that's just kind of how it always was. But it's it, coaching's a little different today than it's been in the past. It is. I mean, the enemy's an old school coach. He's a, you know, he's a hard ass per se. Mm -hmm. And the newer, the younger generation may not like that as much. But I think we're kind of getting back to that, though. I think we had a short time period where that wasn't that was kind of outlawed or whatever. Now you can't do that. I think it's making a comeback. Uh, that makes me smile, but there, there has to be some, some hard coaching, some hard love. Now there's a fine line, right? You can't be hitting players or doing crazy stuff or anything like that, but I think it's making a little bit of a comeback. It feels like that. I could be wrong, but it, it does feel like that though. All right. Anything else you want to talk about with the NFL? That's it for now. We'll, we'll see Again, what happens with the games. Two weeks, and, two weeks for the Super Bowl, right? February 11th, yep. I believe. So we yep, get a whole. I, I think next week it'll, it might be a little bit tough for us to do one. We may do one Sunday night, potentially. Right. We'll, we'll see what our schedule looks right. like. If not, yep. I'll send you my thoughts and you can kind of do one on yep. your own or whatever. Yeah, we may, we may get uh, two next week. We might do ours on Sunday because I know Wednesday doesn't work for you mm -hmm. next week. Uh, we may do one, you and I. And then I may try to get uh, a guest there for our Wednesday one with uh, 
for the Steve Shetler media and everything else like that. So there may be two total uh, ones next week for us just because of schedules and everything. Yep. So. No, that, that sounds great. That's not going to hurt my feelings on man. Next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to get a little bit tricky with our schedule. I may, we may have to do this during the day, which yep. could be possible. I know we've done that before, but we'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. We'll make it work. You know, last thing I kind of want to talk of, it is a little bit old um, Sunday afternoon. Just a great showing, great basketball game. Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes against Ohio State Buckeyes leading into the NFL. I mean, this is on Channel 13 going into the Lions-Buccaneers game. It's exactly what you want. Goes to overtime. Iowa blew a 12-point lead. Let's just talk the game first. Great basketball game. They blew a 12-point lead with six minutes left and then lost in overtime. Um, that McMahon girl, or I think that was her name, uh, yep. scored like 35 points for them and had a great game. And anytime you're going to upset the number two team and Caitlin Clark, you're going to get a court storm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think there is some protocols and and, and things that, that teams and, and schools need to prepare for. But I'm not going to be one to say outlaw that. that these, these are college kids. It's fun. That's what they're there for. It was a big win. Absolutely. And it was like, I heard one person say it should be declared a court storm before the game happens. You can't do that because no. let's say this was Iowa. Iowa was down to at I, let's just say the game was just switched at Iowa. They're the number two team in the country. Iowa's down 12 gets it to overtime and Caitlin Clark hits another game winner. Who's to say that Iowa shouldn't storm the court there just because of the way the game played, but it wasn't declared, a, you know, that's some of the fun of it. It was spontaneous. It's natural. Yes. You know, one of the things, you know, field stormings, that's one of the reasons Iowa State moved their students to the other side because they're coming over and that was right where the other team was going out. So there's things like that that you can do to help. You can't stop kids. That's what's fun. That's what's fun about it. That's what college is about. These still are 18 to 22 year olds. I'm not going to say they're all amateurs and everything else like that, but they still are 18 to 22 year old people that are paying to watch them or playing in this stuff. So that's where you can't get the, you can't put all these rules and regulations on. Now, you yeah. want to find the schools. Everything else, they're fine. They're money, whatever. Who cares? But that's what makes college sports, college sports. It was a freak accident. Everybody says Caitlin Clark flopped. Okay, if you're looking the other way and you run into something and you fall down, you're going to look around and say, what the heck happened? I mean, I think at that very instant, if you ask both girls what went through their head, they're like, I have no idea because I don't know what just happened. You know, because – both of them are, you know, the other girls looking at her phone or whatever. And, and is that right? No, but it's real life. Most of us that have your phone going, or even if you're not on it, you're just running with your phone up. You're happy. You're cheering. It was an accident. Nothing happened. Thankfully now, cause you know, that, that is the downside of it. People can get hurt. I mean, whether the girl got hurt or Caitlin Clark could get hurt. That is, that is an issue, but you can also get hurt doing a lot of other things. So, thankfully, no nothing happened, no major anything. It was just uh, something that happens in life, and you move on. And, and Caitlin Clark, again, shows her class, her, 
you know, just everything. You just, you want her to be your daughter. You want your son to marry a girl like that. Holds everything. Nobody's fault. And, you know, congratulated Ohio State, court storming. It was an accident. That's all there was to it. Yeah, I mean, court storming and field storming, I, I love. I think it's great. I don't want to get rid of it at all. I think what probably should happen is in these games, these big matchups, what the ref should do in the final 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds, get the teams together and say, hey, when this game's over, we're not going to shake hands. Yes. And that I know a lot of old school, old school coaches out there are going to hate that, but guess what? We don't need to shake hands after the game. It's overrated. It's it's all for TV looks. After the game or with five seconds left, just head to the locker room. Beat yep. the crowd. Beat the, yes. beat the storm. That that and, and that is one of the things that I heard somebody say, and I completely agree. You can see when people are going to rush the field or the court. Yep. You know, if it's a blowout, it, they're not rushing. Yeah. And and essentially, you know, you know, let's let's look at football. I know this is bad. Let's look at football. A team lines up for a field goal to win the game, to set the upset up. Everybody knows if he makes this, there's a storm. It's coming. So that that's the agreement. Hey, we all know what's happening. He makes this, you know, let's use Alabama and Tennessee as an example last year. You know, that was a big deal. Okay. Alabama, he makes this, you go. Who cares? You know, if you want to get 10 people, you know, you're off last year, you know, Bryce Young, you want to get him off the field. Will Anderson, you want to go get him to the locker room right now that aren't on the field right now? Go. You know, and if it goes to over, say it's a, a tie game and it goes to overtime, they can come right back out. There's a TV timeout that's three and a half minutes. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. there, there's time. There is time. And, and players, coaches, refs, and, and everybody's smarter enough now where yeah. you know if it's, a, like you said, if it's a big game, a close game, you know there's going to be a field storm or a court storm, potentially, if there's right. an upset or whatever. Just just be smart about it. The the refs maybe have an extra TV timeout yep. or just a ref timeout that you can call and just get both coaches together and say, hey, there's eight seconds left. We know what's about to happen. Yep. If it yeah, does, the refs can call a timeout. I mean, that, yeah. that's at any time. But if it does happen, we'll, we'll try to hold off the storm for five to ten seconds or a minute and get your key players out of here or whoever. Yeah. And we'll shake hands after the game. We don't need to shake. They can hands do it in the locker room. They can do it in the hallway. Cameras don't have to be, or the cameras can be there. Who cares? Um, right. There's nothing yeah. that makes me want to get sick more than shaking hands after a game. What, right. what okay. an over, that's almost, a personal preference in my opinion, but what a, do it before the game and yeah, shake and, hands before the game, not and after. Here, here's the other thing is, now, this is just a Caitlin Clark issue. I mean, this is not everybody else. She already has some security around her. And this was not an issue, but she's going to have more security around her from now on because things do happen and people are crazy. And yeah. she's and she she needs that. The university needs to provide it or her family needs to, one or the other, probably both. But her family needs to go to the university. The university's got plenty of money. Um, protect your asset. I mean, she's making Iowa lots of money right now. Protect your asset. Just like coaches have, you know, the cops running right beside them. She needs a cop right beside her. Just in case this was not an issue, but just in case, 
this issue was uh, more of an issue than it was. No, I, I don't disagree with that at all. The, they should figure something out. Again, women's basketball is growing. Uh, you know, a year ago you, or two years ago, you probably could have never seen this happening. This something like this, right, in women's basketball. But yeah, it's it's the same thing with men's sports too. You, you just got to be smart about it. And I just always go back to the. I know Zach said it before. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I'll let him come on here and speak for himself. But you've been a coach in high school. So is he. A lot of different people. Sometimes shaking hands after the game is in high school. I guess I get it. But college and professional sports. I don't know. It seems it seems forced and not necessary all the time. I, I do like like the NFL does a better job where they don't like go in a line and shake hands. They just kind of get in a. They go look for their yeah. their people. It's not a line. It's not like basketball. Like college basketball, they truly get in a line and cross, you know. And and some of it is football is a little bit better where, you know, they literally just they kind of meet right there and then they do whatever. Um, the coaches run to the middle, but everybody else just kind of goes wherever. And and you always see some people run off, and you know, the winning quarterback always gets interviewed and stuff like that. So yeah, you don't have to do the the crazy handshake lines and everything, and that's that's a lot of times where the issues do happen. It is. We've seen plenty of videos over the years. So, I'm I'm I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit different. I don't I don't believe in shaking hands after a sporting event. I I, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's just going to cause problems. People are heated after a loss if they lose. People are overjoyed if they win. I think shaking hands after a sporting event is totally unnecessary. Yeah. And in my I'm opinion, not, it really I'm never happened. that far that it's unnecessary. But Unnecessary probably wasn't the right word, but, but there's I so many emotions for both sides. I just don't think it should happen. Shake hands before. We'll talk later. Yeah. But again, you know, I, with the Caitlin Clark deal, it looked like they just both ran to each other. Yeah. Lady was storming the court. Caitlin was trying to run off the court. They collided. It's unfortunate. Thankfully, she wasn't hurt. And if if refs and schools are smart about it, it can mostly be avoided. Yep. Not 100%, but mostly can be avoided. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, I think that's about all I have tonight. Anything else, Trev? That's it for me. We'll uh, we'll try possibly try to talk Sunday night after these championship yep. games if we can. And then we'll see what the coming weeks bring for uh, Super Bowl previews and all that kind of stuff. Yep, absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you later, Trev. All right, have a good night. I love that one. Four, three, one, two, three, four. Rockies and the sailors' mouths and the boys in the back of the bus.